Philosophy of mind is presently the most fashionable branch of philosophy, so much so that it has split from metaphysics, of which it has classically only been a part of, so as to become its own specialty. Almost everyone in the so-called social sciences, especially the pseudoscience psychology, but also other pretend sciences such as cognitive science and even real sciences such as neuroscience and artificial intelligence, are throwing their opinion into the pot of philosophy of mind as to what the mind is. As a result, philosophy of mind has become a real mess. Thanks to the pseudoscience of psychology getting involved, a significant portion of philosophy of mind has become a cult in which psychologists calling themselves philosophers make up all sorts of abstraction, word games, universal things, and other fabrications such as object files, qualia, precepts, and much more that not only make no sense and are full of logical error, but serve no purpose other than general aesthetics and academic recognition. To make sense of this mess, you must contemplate and try to understand the previous episodes and podcasts on philosophy of language and philosophy of science, and then apply them to the following contexts that I will go over. The big problem in philosophy of mind is the nature of consciousness and perception. When I, when I am conscious of my existence and perceive its interactions with the world, it seems to be different from everything else in the world. For one thing, I know I exist, but I need evidence of anything else existing. And furthermore, my experience of the world is my experience. It seems to have a unique subjective quality that is not shared by the rest of the world. This duality in perception and consciousness seems to be clear and undisputed. The solutions to this duality problem have fallen into two categories. One is dualism, and two is monism. I will cover dualism first. Dualism argues the mind and the body are two different substances. The most famous of these solutions is that of the philosopher Descartes and his I think, therefore I am. This dualism is not to be confused with the spiritual dualism of Christianity and other religions, stating a distinction between the human soul and the human body, though obviously the spiritual dualism is consistent with the mind-body dualism. The problem with this dualism is explaining how the mind and body, if made of metaphysically distinct substances, as argued that, it is, that they are, how can they interact with each other, something they clearly do and of which we are conscious and perceive. Supposedly, the mind has thoughts to become physical actions in the body. However, any way we try to explain this interaction results in the humoculus fallacy, a fallacy that we will now explain. Try raising your arm right now, and then explain how you raised it using the concept of dualism of mind and body. Your explanation would go something as follows. I thought about raising my arm, that thought made my arm raise. But who is this I that had your thought and then told your arm to raise? It appears to be a little person or homoculus, which is Latin for little man, in your body somewhere. How do you explain the consciousness and perception of that homoculus? An infinite chain of little men in your head? This problem exists with almost all application of dualism to any problems in consciousness or perception. The I that 
you're saying is having the thought of raising your arm and is telling your arm to raise is the I that you're trying to explain by the concept of dualism. And it seems that all, all is occurring is you're adding the third entity, an I, to explain the previous I. For example, consider the uh, perception of seeing or vision. The dualist would describe seeing as the eye receiving a bunch of sense impressions that are then transferred to the brain. And in the brain, the mind somehow sees these biological chemical relations and converts them, converts these uh, physical, biological entities into visual images that are projected for the mind to see and consider. In the same way that, for example, an iPhone or iPad brings up stored visual images. Even assuming this is how seeing or vision works, who is bringing up, projecting, and viewing the images? For an iPad or iPhone, you are. But who is the you for these supposed images in your brain? Same thing for a computer or a robot. For a robot to raise its arm, to bring up any kind of Images to do anything requires programming, telling it to do that under certain conditions. That programming is created by human consciousness. But who would create that programming for human consciousness? This seems to apply another consciousness and just moves the problem of the mind uh, back one level. But furthermore, is this explanation really seen or vision? Uh, Imagine showing a metal tube with magnifying lenses lens at each end of the tube to a physicist and to a primitive, uneducated tribesman. The sense experience is the same for both, yet the physicist will say that they see a telescope, but the primitive will say they see a closed tube. You can try to explain that using memory that supposedly consists of data files in the brain that are the same as data files in a computer. However, how, how do you know which files to pull without first remembering which files to pull? For the computer, it is the human consciousness that remembers where the files are and which files to pull. But what will remember in the mind to bring up certain files unless it was another mind? Thus, we are back at the humaculus fallacy. Because of problems such as this, monasteries uh, developed seeking to eliminate the dualism of mind-body and to try to get everything to be one substance.